Well, last time I talked to the people from downtown. What was the last movie you went to? Miguel, what's new? Miguel, what's new in the community? Have you gotten any feedback about the Twitter feed? First of all, for the people who contact us on Twitter. About a certain research. Can you tell me more? Well, depends who you talk, if you talk to the people from the board. Why did the yogurt... Welcome to another episode of the Community Board Podcast with your host Miguel Valdez and today I have a friend here that she has a success story that she wants to share with us and with the rest of the community. Joy, how are you doing? Good, how are you Miguel? Good, good, good. What's what's new with you? What do you want to share with us? Well, I wanted to talk about um, a research network that I co-founded in 2011 for minority women scientists. Research network? Yes. What so, is that about? So um, several years ago, well, in 2011, a group of girlfriends of, and I, who are all scientists, um, were having these conversations about our needs in terms of developing our own research programs, balancing our lives outside of our academic um, areas, as well as thinking about how do we um, build our career success and really think about what did we need. And one thing that we all needed were champions and advocates for us. So many times we were doing what some people would call the housework of the lab. So we would be scheduling meetings, working administratively, and not having the protected time that we needed to be successful in our careers. And then several years ago, actually that same year, a paper came out in one of the leading scientific journals called Nature that talked about the lack of diversity and researchers receiving large research grants for the National Institutes of Health. And if you work in public health research, those are the best types of grants in terms of showing your success as a scientist. And in your case, what is the field that you research? What, what is the area? So I'm a psychiatric epidemiologist and a health educator. So okay, what does that mean? So I always say people know what psychiatry is, and I'm not a psychiatrist, but I work directly with psychiatrists and psychologists, and epidemiology is the study of health and disease. And then health education really partners the two in terms of looking at public health and health promotion and thinking about community health needs. Give me an example of, of uh, epidemiology a study or, or a case, let's say. Okay, so early in my career, um, back in the 1990s, I've been in the field for about 21 years now, So, but we won't tell my age. <laughs> and so um, back about 20 plus years ago, one of the things that I did very early in my career was active disease investigation. So basically what that meant is um, we were looking for babies that were born to HIV positive moms and trying to make sure that the babies were getting the care that they needed. And so epidemiology allows us to do active disease investigation. It's like disease detectives. Another good example is is for, say, there's a 
a um, food poisoning outbreak. And the epidemiologist is usually the one to figure out where the outbreak occurred. How did it start? Why are people getting sick? And then they work directly with the health agency that they might be reporting to the health department or the academic medical center to make sure that other people don't get sick. And so that was some of the work that I did very early in my career. And now um, I'm in a traditional faculty appointment. So the research in my program really looks at diversity education and under-resourced communities and getting them access to the research that will improve their health. Great. And going back to the... To the research network. Mm -hmm. So you were in a conference and you met with some friends. And Mm -hmm. then what? So we actually, the story is actually kind of funny. We started off um, calling ourselves the Black Women's Journal Club. And, you know, journal clubs don't get funded. I mean, they just don't. And how it really all began was I was having conversations with four of my girlfriends, uh, Dr. Fern Webb at University of Florida, Monica Alberti, who's at Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, and Allison Hall, who's now at the University of Alabama, but at the time she was still at University of Florida. And I noticed that I was having the same conversations with the four of them about their needs. And all of us were at different stages in our careers. And so, and we all knew each other. So I said, well, why don't we just have one conference call and we'll talk about papers and scientific journals and things like that. So we noticed on the calls, it ended up being more about career navigation. And then we, somebody invited someone else. So uh, Monica and I invited Dr. Desiree Rivers, who at the time was at the University of South Florida. She's now at Morehouse School of Medicine. And then I also invited Dr. Felicity Enders. And then from that, it just spearheaded. And then we had about 20 women, and we were doing these journal club calls, but it wasn't, you know, reviewing other people's science. So um, Felicity Enders became one of our first chairs. After a couple years, this was probably around 2000. 14, 15, when we really were organizing in a different way, where we started having the calls around what science were each of us doing, what manuscripts were we writing, what grants were we working on, and which academic and community partners did we have or other stakeholders that were interested in our science, as well as what could we talk about in terms of career success and wins. So... um, After some time, I went to a patient-centered outcomes research institute meeting. So uh, PCORI, as they call it, uh, was hosting a national conference in Washington, D.C. about patient engagement. And at that meeting, their executive director was talking about these new conference grants Uh, that were available to research programs and networks um, to really advance the science of engagement. And I was like, oh, gosh, this is perfect. So I cornered him at the meeting because, you know, I'm I'm really shy, but I'm really not shy because I'm completely an extrovert. And so I said, hey, I got this Black Women's Journal Club that that I founded with some of my girlfriends. Uh, You know, do you think this is fundable? So we talked for about 10 or 15 minutes, and then he put me in touch with um, a patient advocate um, that was sit, that sits on PCORI Council. 
and she sat me down. She was an, uh, a wonderful older black woman who mothered me that day, and she told me, baby, Black Women's Journal Club ain't going to get you any funny funding. And I said, well, what do we need to do? She said, you have started a research network. And here it is. We've been, you know, working together for years, and we never thought to call it that. You know, we hadn't, you know, we had a vision. What would it be a definition for you of a network and in a field, in any setting? So a network is a collective. It's an opportunity for people that have a shared vision to come together over a common goal in order to engage with each other to and improve. Uh, um, can a family a, have a network? A family can have a network. Um, you could have a network of friends. Um, I like at to work at work. I, you know, for instance, I like to cook. So there are some networks that are available for people that enjoy being home chefs. Um, or people who have some restrictions. Exactly. And yeah. there's also, you know, networks for patients who might have different diseases and things like that. Sometimes they'll call them advisory groups or a support network and things like that. So this actually gave a, a place, a safe place for minority women in science to share our stories that we can't always share with others. And that was one of the impetus of us found of us really connecting. And so when I had that meeting with the woman at um, the patient advocate at the PCORI meeting, I went back all excited and we have network calls once a month. And so I I told I got on the call that, that same month and I said, Yeah, we gotta change our name. And so we came up with a bunch of names and all of that. And then I was like, I want to apply for this grant. And we had three weeks to write it. So we wrote the grant in three weeks and got fully funded to host um, workshops, two workshops and a research symposium. And we decided to use um, a model that would allow us the opportunity to talk to other people that were interested in the research that we were doing around health. And so we invited community members, patients, patient advocate, healthcare providers, physicians, and even other resource providers to participate in the two workshops that we hosted. One was at, the first one was at Mayo Clinic School of Medicine in Scottsdale, Arizona. And then we hosted a follow-up one at Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville. What was the input that they give you? Oh, my gosh. It was great. So the first one was over the course of two days at, in Arizona. And some of the input that they gave us was, why didn't we know about the network? Um, how to get the word out? And that if we were having a research symposium, that we needed to make sure that we did um, more social media, which we've done, and that we also had presentations that highlighted stakeholder needs, just not academics. Um, the other thing that we really learned is that they preferred panels that had limited scientific presentations, like limited PowerPoint, which to scientists were taught to use PowerPoint and point and click and things like that. We also learned that they like to be actively engaged. We used an audience response system 
at that meeting, and they loved it. At the it. second one? At the first one. And then okay. um, we got different audience response uh, clickers for the second meeting. So the second meeting in Jacksonville, we also invited um, a speaker from our federal funder to come and talk about funding opportunities, not just for scientists, but also for community members and nonprofits. And then we also had a keynote address given from um, Al Richmond, who's the executive director for Community Campus Partnership for Health. And then during that workshop, we divided the attendees up where community members and patients and patient advocates would have the opportunity to discuss the things that were priorities for them around health, as well as, you know, working with and partnering with academics. And then another session with academics on career advancement and working with partners. Um, And then at that meeting, it kind of um, gave us the chance to start thinking about the agenda needs for the larger symposium at Morehouse School of Medicine. And how'd that go? Oh, it was amazing. We're fresh out of the symposium. Yes. Yeah, so the, tell me all about it. Oh my god, it was it was amazing. So it was like black girl magic. So and you know, and I guess I should say minority women and allies magic. Um we had um a great turnout. Um some of the highlights were um Dr. Valerie Montgomery Rice, president of Morehouse School of Medicine, as well as Representative Barbara Lee, gave some remarks at the meeting. Um, Our host for that meeting was Dr. Desiree Rivers, one of the founders of the network. And And where was this at? At Morehouse School of Medicine in Atlanta. And can you describe the college for people who is not familiar with this college? So Morehouse School of Medicine is a historically black college. Um, it is connected to Morehouse College, and Morehouse College is an all-boys, African-American-founded institution. Um, at the medical school, the medical school is open to, um, to all who can apply, men, women, and other genders, um, and it's very diverse, so it's not only um, black students that attend. Um, they have a wonderful connection with other academic institutions in the Atlanta area as well as other areas. And for me, this was very important because I'm a graduate of a historically black college, Xavier University in New Orleans. So I really wanted to partner with one of our other founders institutions as well as an institution that um, that focused on um, health care in the South. Um, and we tried to be very regionally focused in our meetings as well. And what was the take-home message? So the take-home message that was that the network was needed. The other um, take-home message is that we need to raise awareness for the network. And there was a large amount of interest for from both the community and patient partners and the academic partners about hosting additional meetings like half day and other sessions like what we had um, at the symposium. So we had sessions for community and patient members as well as academics. We used audience response uh, system to gain feedback. And we tried to make sure that each breakout session and even 
full preliminary session was open for people to feel like they had a voice and the discussions that were taking place at the Diaz and at the podium. Question. If somebody's listening to this podcast today and they would like to get involved, is there is a membership? How do you get involved with this network? So we are now um, in the process of expanding our membership opportunities. Um, you can visit our website at www.com mwrntoday.com. We're going to be plugging those links. And then also, if you're interested in membership, then please follow us on Twitter at mwrntoday or Facebook as well, which is the Minority Women in Research Network page. And so I think from there the, is no cost at this oh, moment. Yeah, just, right, just get involved. Yeah. So right now we actually at the end of the conference, a, a big thing that happened for us was the fact that um, the attendees and even our members thought it's time for us to do incorporation and nonprofit. So we're in the process of working on that. But until we get those things in place, we don't have a fee to join. Um, And if you're interested, you, you're welcome to send us a direct message on Twitter or either Facebook. Or tag you. Yeah. Or tag us. And then that way we can then send email you the membership form and then even schedule a time to talk or video conference or FaceTime. And is uh, members welcome to share their success stories or, or struggles, whatever yes. they're working on? Oh, my gosh, yes. So we really want to know what has been helpful for you as either a patient, a community member, or a scientist or a scientific ally. We want to make sure that others know what pitfalls we may have had and what things have led to us being successful um, because those stories are our stories and it helps to future um, generations yeah and helps mm -hmm. us to really change health as well joy um anything else that's coming up for the minority women research network So one of the things that's coming up, we've talked about the creation of a podcast. We've also talked about um, in the next uh, year, um, coming up in 2019, hosting some interactive social media sessions around network activities, career development, partnership development, grant writing, and other things like that. And we've even talked about hosting smaller research symposiums. Across, webinars and stuff Yeah, like webinars that. and even in-person symposium where some of our network members will be sponsoring things at their academic institutions. And we have network members um, all over the continental U.S. as well as Puerto Rico. We don't have a member in Hawaii yet, so hopefully we can get someone in Hawaii as well. And um, our hope is that um, even our male and um, other female allies in research are willing and and um, to partner to partner with us. And um, non-gender conforming colleagues are also willing to partner with us on raising awareness about why biomedical research and health research is important for overall health and how we can actively be invo involved in that process. This is so much great information. Joy, we're going to invite everybody to follow us on Twitter under Community Board Podcast. Share, retweet this podcast, this episode with everybody. Find us on their Facebook too, under Community Board 
on iTunes under Community Board Podcast, on SoundCloud under Community Board Podcast. Share this episode. Uh, we're going to be adding some podcasts from the event, some of the participants who came to your symposium to the symposium and they were sharing uh, their experience during the, these days so anything else that would you like to add well we hope that um, the minority women in research network um, gives us a voice we to all those interested in health research we hope that we're able to do more engagement um, with basic um, scientists um, animal researchers as well as patient-centered and comparative effectiveness scientists and public health scientists. We want to grow. Um, this vision has been a long time coming, and we have been sustainable with limited resources, and we're very thankful for PCORI and um, believing in this work because without their funding, we would not have been able to host the three meetings to raise awareness. And a big shout-out to to my program officer, Yasmin Long, who has been a rock through this process. All right. Well, thank you. And big shout out, too, to everybody in Georgia for all the Southern hospitality and, and delicious tea. food. <laughs> and sweet tea. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you. And stay tuned for more updates from the Minority Women Research Network. And remember, follow us on iTunes on their Community Board Podcast. Thank you, Joy. Thanks, Miguel. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> More than just research, it's about community too. I see you in the community. What's going on this weekend? The last time we met, we talked to. Well, last time I talked to the people from downtown. What was the last movie you went to, Miguel? What's new? Miguel, what's new in the community? Have you gotten any feedback about the Twitter feed? First of all, for the people who contact us on Twitter, Things about a certain research. Can you tell me more? Well, depends who you talk, if you talk to the people from the board. Why did the yogurt go to the art museum? Did you see in the news? To get more culture. <laughs>